Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. We are David and Tracy Sellers, and like you, we made vows to keep. I know many of our listeners, David, wonder what our marriage is like. They wonder what's going on inside our house. Like, are these guys really legit? Are they for real? Like, do they struggle <laughs> like we do? Absolutely. So let me tell you a story from the other night. So David took our oldest daughter driving. She's 16 and she's working on getting her driver's license. And she needed some nighttime driving hours with dad. So yes. he took her out and they were gone for a little while. And he called me to say that they were on their way home. Now... Let me set up the scene for you a little bit. Before he called, the other kids were in bed, and there I was, you know, watching the TV program that I liked. I was nice and relaxed, but I was getting hungry. And there was this ripe peach in the kitchen, mm. and it sounded really good right about the time that the phone rang. Can I have one right now? Okay, but have you ever tried to eat a juicy peach while you're on the phone? Like, it just does not work. <laughs> like, that's not going to be happening. So David was being very loving on the phone. He didn't just call to say... Hi, he wanted to hang out with me on the phone when him and our daughter were on their way home. He said, is it okay if we hang out unless you're, you know, doing something and you need to go? And no, and you know what? I really wasn't doing anything other than just about to have this delicious snack. So rather than furthering my relationship with David, I'm grabbing his hand right now. <laughs> I basically let him know in so many words that now I had to have a banana because I couldn't do what I wanted to do because he had called Yes, folks, you guessed it right. I put a piece of fruit above my marriage. I wonder how often I do that. Not fruit, but how often do I take control of a situation with the words that I say or the sigh that I make sure he hears? I think we all do this kind of thing more often than we might even realize. At the moment in time that I heard you say that, I, I actually thought, oh man, maybe I should let you go. But I had so many things to say, so much love to share with you that I honestly didn't give it a second thought and probably should have because truly, if I would have been loving you, <laughs> I would have said, hey, go ahead. Now, of course, the reason I said that I wanted the peach is because I wanted to be in control and that would render what David wanted out of the situation absolutely useless. Think of it this way. When my passion for David is higher than my passion for something else that I want, it actually is going to cost me something, but in the end, I'm also going to gain something. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on in this broadcast. Today's show is called Never Let Them Know How Much It Cost You. And yeah, it might have originated from a peach, but I think this is something that all of us can relate to because, Trace, I did this to you too. But what if I was going to make this marriage about my wife? What if I was willing to pay the price of every dream, every hope that I had for a situation? And never let them see, never let my wife see that that cost me something, that I didn't get something out of it that I wanted. And more importantly than that, what if I was willing to do that for the Lord? When you're determined for a cause, you can endure some amazing things. But my cause has got to be God's cause. David and I have been together about 20 years, so he's seen many peach experiences come from my mouth. And they come out of my mouth so quick, and I wish I could take them all back. If that's where you find yourself, always letting your spouse know how much you had to sacrifice, 
God has made a way for us to get out from under that and start anew. And that's going to be how we end our broadcast here together. So stick around for that. I want you to give this some thought today. What good is your gift to your spouse? Whatever that gift is, if you take it back by letting them know how much it costs you, what good is your gift? I neutralize my gift to my spouse every time I let him know how much it costs. It's like a 12-year-old needing to buy a birthday present when he goes to a birthday party and saying when he gives it, I hope you like it. I spent 20 bucks on your birthday present. When there's a need to be met, and in our marriage, there's going to be lots and lots of needs. We can meet a need just serving out of obligation because we're supposed to, or we can meet a need out of love and sacrifice out of a right heart motivation. Same need being met, but the outcome is totally different in our hearts and in our relationship. This morning in our men's Bible study, I was talking with a group of guys and I was asking them this question. Are we close enough to our wives that we actually understand what they need? If you had to answer in one or two sentences what the most urgent need your spouse has right now, and I'm not talking just physical, could you do it? I'm talking about the details of their life, the heart level stuff. And if you can't answer that, why not? Maybe I can answer the question, but now the question is, do I want to meet that need? What if we understand what their true need is above and beyond what our perceived need is? Let me explain. I think there's a lot of times where what we think we need is to tell the whole world how terrible we have it. What we think we need is everyone's sympathy, everyone's empathy, but our actual need might be to recognize that God is our one true God and he will be our provider. He will be our security even when we feel insecure. And in marriage, this plays out all of the time. We can watch and see our spouse might feel that their most urgent need is something that's very tangible, a bowl of ice cream. And that might not necessarily be wrong, but in fact, it's just a band-aid on a bigger issue. Their heart aches. And in their desire to, to run from that pain, well, they end up turning to things that really won't do anything about it. So whether you're answering to a perceived need or an actual need, where are you at in giving to your spouse right now? A lot of times we evaluate where we're at on that scale based upon our sense of responsibility, our Christian duty. So where are you at as a husband in your giving? Are you giving out of obligation? For a lot of husbands, it's the honey-do list. Maybe it is forever long, but if I've done something on it recently, eh, I'm good. Besides, I am never going to get it all done. And the problem lies in that we will be content with just doing barely enough, if that. And not thinking about, how could I actually bless them? How could I actually just blow my wife's socks off? And why wouldn't I do that? If God's asking me to die to myself, shouldn't that start with something as simple as looking at what matters to her and giving until he, and I'm talking about God, has said, well done, good and faithful servant. So here we are viewing our service to our spouse as an obligation. And where does that get us? It gets us to the point where we're asking the question, what can I get away with not giving, not doing? And I see it now in myself as an adult. I see it now in my kids as I work with them. I see it in my marriage. Where do we sure can do just enough to not bring attention to our weaknesses? We've honed our mastery of manipulation and to invest the least amount to get there. How many guys are saying to themselves, you know, I'm in the mood tonight. So yeah, okay, I'll grab the honeydew list and 
and I'll take a couple things on it. And I'm going to make sure, of course, she knows about it because as the old joke goes, if a man does the dishes and she doesn't see him hit the start button on the dishwasher, did he actually do the dishes? I think that's a classic scene from a movie. <laughs> I think it is. But if that's where you're at, and I'm glad you're tuned into today's broadcast. More often than not, the way we look at how much we have to give in those kind of situations, what can I get away with not giving? How much are they going to ask me to give? And do I have it in my resources to meet that need? And as we're having this conversation with ourselves in our head, of course, we'd never verbalize these things. We usually land at this conclusion. I'm not sure I have it. Too often we're, we're facing the reality, that, hey, nothing is really broken right now. Maybe we're doing okay. But if I take a close look at what the needs are in my house, and I'm talking one that really evaluates and asks the question, what does each person in my home need of me, Lord? How could I be used by you in their lives? This is where we have to realize that something's going to be required of me. And it's going to potentially cost a lot. It's going to cost my peace. It's going to cost my YouTube time. It's going to cost my sports, my hobbies, maybe even my friendships. Husbands, I want to speak to you for just a minute. I know it's tempting to say, hey, what, what's been happening in our home has worked for a long time. We've been getting by. Why should I need to change now? You, my friend, are charged with being a shepherd of your family. Sadly, what I see, and it's becoming more in vogue for men to just say, you know what? I don't have it. I'm, I'm weak. I can't lead. And suddenly we take on this cause that we have a reason to avoid that calling rather than, than looking at the condition of our lives and the condition of our hearts and recognizing that this is the time to change. We fold. We all skimp and try to get by. But the thing about that is that it leaves no room for generosity. When was the last time I was generous in my marriage? I would have to actually think about that for a minute. How about you? I'd like to take a few minutes here on Vows to Keep Radio to look at scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, Paul is talking to the church and he's asking them to give generously. These verses, though, are so applicable to our marriage relationships, to the relationships you have with your kids and your friends and your extended family and your coworkers. 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6, says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Have you experienced that in your marriage? Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When I give under compulsion to David, I let him know about it. I let him know how much it costs. I love the next verse, though, because it says, basically, if we give cheerfully, God blesses us abundantly. And at all times, we'll have everything we need, and we will abound in every good work. I want to abound in good works toward David. My marriage would look so much different if that was happening all the time. This next portion of this scripture is a quote from Psalm 112. And here's the context. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor and their righteousness endures forever. Have I scattered my gifts to David when he's feeling poor? Have I extended what I have to offer to him when he's feeling down? Second Corinthians 9 verse 10 continues, Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and the bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 
You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Imagine what that would mean in your marriage. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Have you ever seen your spouse be so grateful to the Lord for something that has come through your hands from him as heavenly father? If you've never enjoyed that, let me encourage you to read through this verse and to ponder what it is that God might have for you to do for your spouse. There is a gigantic message for us here. God has been generous to us. He's promised it to us so that we can be generous to our spouse. It's a cup that just keeps getting filled up as we pour it out. We often think of Jesus when we read through the Gospels and we see him going to heal a woman or raise someone from the dead or answer this annoying Pharisee or deal with a disbelieving disciple. Like <laughs> He's always got the right answer. He's always got enough margin to give whatever that person needs what they need. Always. Too often, I think we look at the God of the universe as having the infinite checkbook, right? He wrote any check he wanted to. But to put his son on the cross was not something that was done flippantly. That was not something that came without a cost to him. There actually, in many cases, isn't a cost for us. Or the cost is so low that it's hardly even worth talking about. When you see that the God of the universe promises you success from a heavenly perspective, boy, that becomes really easy to see that giving up our selfishness is something he's asked us to do. But that yields fruit, not here, but when we get to heaven. The world would say in the psychology realm that if you're going to make a sacrifice, make sure it's fair. Make sure there's a 50-50 type relationship here. The world would say that making lots of sacrifices in your marriage doesn't strengthen your love. In fact, it does just the opposite. The world would say if we remain true to our desires, we become more of who we are. And when we give up our desires for someone else, we become something that we're not. But I would say the Bible teaches us something different. We can learn from Jesus' example. We're not losing a part of ourselves when we give to our spouse without complaint or expecting anything back. God's word tells us that when we love like he loves, we come out on the winning side, nothing lost and everything gained. See, you don't lose your identity when you give. You gain your identity by becoming more like your savior. So true. You don't lose your life when you give. You gain a purpose that gives meaning to your life. You don't lose what you have when you give. You gain more for the next time. If you're having a hard time grasping that, go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Sacrifice done God's way is beautiful. And you're going to see that beauty in your marriage when you put these principles into practice. I have to say that sacrificing for your spouse, even when done from the right heart, brings the possibility of enduring discomfort. And that can come in lots of different forms. You could have physical discomfort. You could have your preference put to the side. That's uncomfortable. You might be inconvenienced. You might even experience some spiritual discomfort. So let's spend a couple minutes talking about those different forms of discomfort that sacrifice might bring. Now, Tracy, when you talk about physical discomfort, we're not talking about like being locked up in the, in the stocks for five days. No, not quite. <laughs> but you could feel like maybe you're pushed past a physical limitation that you prefer not to be. And as we age, many of us have physical limitations. We're limited by the fact that we are humans. But the carpet still needs to be vacuumed, whether my back hurts or not. 
you probably experienced something like this in parallel in the physical intimacy part of your married life. And you can fill in the detail that comes to your mind with that. The question being, is all our spouse sees from us the cost of our sacrifice? Is the love we think we're giving being clouded by that cost and our need to share that with everyone who will listen? We may have to sacrifice something that's not our preference. There might be a hobby that your spouse has that you don't particularly enjoy, so you have avoided it. How about paying the cost of the heat that comes with that hobby or the smell or the discomfort and joining them in it anyway? Watching the movie that they would like just to snuggle up on the couch and say nothing about what you would rather be doing. As we give to our spouse and meet their needs, there's an opportunity to experience spiritual discomfort. That might not be the right word for it, but let me explain what that could mean. In your marriage, it could mean an awkwardness in just praying out loud. How about an insecurity, just not having the right biblical answers on the tip of your tongue? A lot of people experience that. Maybe you're worried about venturing into the unknown. You might be new to spiritual leading your family and not quite sure what it looks like. And then there's those possible landmines, right? Your wife might not appreciate or respond to your leadership, even though that's what God has asked you to do. And sometimes it's just easier not to go down that road. There's a lot of times where it's something as simple as just being inconvenienced. And sure, sometimes that's minor, sometimes that's major. I know a man who has a wife who really likes things taken care of in a very particular way. And in every conversation I have with this man, he could not make it any more clear that his wife's viewpoint on how things need to be done is invaluable and it puts him out and yet he does it anyhow what he doesn't realize is that every gift he's giving out of that sense of service out of that sense of requirement he ruins it with that detailed account of what it costs him so we go back again to what good is our gift if we take it back by letting our spouse know the cost am i willing to be inconvenienced to serve in love because there is a cost of letting your spouse know how much it costs. What is that cost? Once we've said, once we've complained, once we've sighed, once we've slammed the door, it's kind of a done deal. They know what's coming before you say anything because there's a history there. So they're likely not to ask anything of you or they've got their response to your complaint ready to go. And this may be a pattern in your home. It's a pattern in a lot of homes. It's hard to undo. It's hard to recover from. But let me tell you, it's not impossible. There is hope. I want you to think for just a minute. What if you never let your spouse know again how long you had to wait for them? How they failed to meet your expectations? How if they'd only done this, then you could have done that? Kind of like, if you wouldn't have called me, I would have been able to eat my peach. Instead, what would happen if we responded to them with gratefulness? If not for something they've done, although you really need to exhaust all possibilities for things you can thank them for, but gratefulness for the provisions of your heavenly father the one who's giving you the seed to sow in the first place. We can get to that point with God when we trust him enough to know he's not going to leave us high and dry. Okay, so I didn't get to the store today like I needed to because, David, you were running late from work. You know what? It's not your fault. It's not like you were out to specifically inconvenience me. No, it's just the way that the day came together. And yes, I still need to get to the store then what I need to do is trust God to provide the time I need to do that. And in the midst of all of it, here's what I can do. I can thank David for working hard all day and not even bring up the store. That's the key point is to guard my mouth. Don't even bring up the store and instead be thankful 
I need to take my usual response and give it to God and follow what his word asks me to do. Which in 1 Thessalonians 5 says that I should live in peace with David. I should encourage him when he's disheartened. I should help him when he's feeling weak. I should be patient with him. I shouldn't pay back wrong for wrong, but I should strive to do what is good for him. When I'm feeling put out, when I'm feeling the cost of that sacrifice, God's word tells me in 1 Thessalonians 5 to keep rejoicing and to keep praying and to keep giving thanks because this is God's will for me in Christ Jesus. And then I love how it wraps up this section with this verse, don't quench the spirit. So what now? How can I undo the groundwork that I've laid? So many of us have been in a pattern of this tit-for-tat type marriage most of our married lives. And we've seen it modeled in our parents' marriages. And the complaints, they're just expected. It's just normal. We're asking our spouse to pursue us rather than pursuing them with a godlike love. We're going to give you five key action points just to start laying some totally new groundwork in your marriage. Number one, this change happens bit by bit from the inside out. So slow and steady progress, little in the moment choices, prayerfully asking, God, how can I serve my wife today? How can I serve my husband today? Because with that attitude, you're not going to be sighing and complaining. You're going to be quietly grateful for God's abundance and those opportunities where you can just pour into them. Yeah, I think starting with prayer is definitely the way to go. That's the number one thing you can do to start laying this new groundwork. And number two, get close enough to know what he really needs. Some of those needs are going to be physical. Some are going to be emotional. Some are going to be spiritual. We talked about those things. And again, prayer, asking God to help you meet that need. But watch out. You're going to get the chance when you pray that prayer. And when you do, you're going to be putting number three into practice. You're going to be doing everything without complaining and arguing. Just like it says in Philippians chapter two, absolutely everything. Listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. When he says, bite your tongue, do it. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5 that we just read, don't quench the spirit. When you do it your way, he's quenched. When you do it God's way, he's got freedom to work in that situation. Number four, start talking differently. Think about using phrases like, I'm flexible. You know what? No worries. I want to be easy to please. But then make sure you prove that those statements are true. Ask God to help you to be flexible. Ask God to make you easy to please. Be at peace in your heart no matter what, even if your spouse never meets your expectation. Because a person with their expectations on God and what he will provide. Whatever happens or doesn't happen is in God's hands. And you know what? If it's in God's hands, I don't need to say anything. I don't need to demand or withhold because I'm putting my trust in God. And number five, forgive where you need to and ask for forgiveness. If you've been withholding love in whatever form that that takes, make it right own it, confess it, let the healing come from your forgiveness. As we wrap up today here on Vows to Keep Radio, we see in Galatians chapter 5 that God has called us to a life of freedom, but not to just do whatever we want, but in order to use our freedom to serve one another in love, because that is how freedom grows. David and I, we're still learning this theme in our marriage. Never let them know how much it costs you, and we hope We keep learning it. We hope that we keep seeing the cost of it when it does happen so that we can look for the fruit of it when we do it God's way. We'll look forward to putting 
into practice what we've learned with you today and to our next time together on Vows to Keep Radio. Find more broadcasts at VowsToKeep.com. Vows to Keep is supported by a team which includes biblical coaches, writers, and pastoral advisors. If you have a desire to serve marriages in your community, we would love to hear from you. Vows to Keep is a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. As a not-for-profit organization, our commitment to Christ-like marriages includes providing much-needed services regardless of a couple's financial ability to offset the cost of Vows to Keep operations. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. Like what you heard today on Vows to Keep Radio? Listen to more life-changing broadcasts at VowsToKeep.com. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.